Well, good morning, Tower View. This is your Sunday School lesson. I'm not doing it live today. I'm recording because of all the drive-in church that we're doing and everything else that's going on. I'm going to record this Saturday night. And then I'm number two. I am not doing what's in the Sunday School lesson. Normally, we, we've been going through Explore the Bible series, which is, when you see this, it's backwards in the camera. I get it. And today's lesson for Easter Sunday is a Easter Sunday lesson. And I've decided that I'm going to skip that. Our sermon is on Easter. We had a Good Friday service. And we have been going through the Book of Romans, and we're going to continue to go through the Book of Romans. So we're going to go, uh, the lesson for next Sunday is in Romans 8, chapter, starting in verse 12. And last week we finished we did Romans chapter 6, uh, 1 through 14. So I'm going to take, uh, in, in the middle of that, I'm going to do the last part of chapter 7 and go into chapter 8. So that's what we're doing today. Uh, welcome. If you uh, don't know who I am, I'm Pastor uh, Nelson, Associate Pastor at Tower View Baptist Church. We're a little church on a hill near in, in Kansas City, Missouri. By a water, big colorful water tower that everybody in town calls the World of Fun Water Tower. We're in the neighborhood of Maple Park and Clay Co and Grace Moore, just uh, south of the city of Clay Como in Kansas City, Missouri. Want to find out more about us? Check out our webpage at TowerViewKC.com. You go to TowerViewKC.com slash live. You can see uh, our other videos that we have for to Sunday, the sermon, the songs that we have and other videos that we have. Check out our Facebook page to see daily devotionals that we have done and Pat, me and Pastor Darren have done. So that's who we are. Um, if you want to call us, if you want to text us, you can do that at 816-368-1330. With that, we're going to go on to our study. And so we've been going through the book of Romans. And so far in the book of Romans, Paul has talked about the nature of creation and sin in chapters 1 and 2. In chapter 3, he's talked about how all of us have sinned. They, there's none of us, no matter what your family background is, is without sin. And that we cannot save ourselves. All have fallen short of the glory of God. But there is salvation, and it comes by faith. And he shows us an example of that faith in chapter 4 with Abraham. Chapter 5, he talks about how faith triumphs, and that... Um, we can that faith gives us and that faith helps us through suffering because it uh, gives us perseverance and endurance and proven character and points us to an eternal hope not a hope so but a steadfast assurance hope in our future chapter 6 goes from salvation what we call justification into sanctification big words i know Going from justification is the day of your salvation. You were justified. You were you were forgiven of your sins. They are no longer held accountable to you. To chapter six, where he starts talking about sanctification. What do we do as Christians? How do we live? What's the basis for that? What should we say then? Should we continue to sin so that grace may abound? Absolutely not. So we're saying that our lives need to change. We need to start getting rid of the sin. And all through chapter 6, he talks about that, how we're slaves to sin. And he continues that in chapter 7. Well, chapter 6 ends with this verse that you can use if you're walking somebody through what is salvation. In chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, 
but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We earn what we get through sin. It's a wage. It's something that you earn. But the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift. It is not something you earn. It is given to you. And we accept that by faith. It's not something we earn. We don't earn our salvation. We don't earn our justification. It is a gift of God. We have earned death. And in chapter 7, he continues with that thought. In verse 1, it says, Since I am speaking to those who know the law, brothers and sisters, don't you know that the law rules over someone as long as he lives? And he gives an example about marriage and how the law and it survives as long as you were alive. But as soon as death happens, the law no longer has power over you. And he continues on in verse in chapter in chapter seven, verse seven. What should we say then? Is the law is the law sin? Absolutely not. He, he keeps going with these questions and because like, people try to find excuses to sin, and he said there is no excuse. The law is not sin. And he goes on and point out that if it wasn't for the law, he wouldn't know what sin is. So the law is from God. It shows us what sin is. And because it shows us what sin is, it sometimes causes us to sin more. It's like when you tell a little kid he's in a room quietly playing with his toys and he's not touching anything else. You put something in there and he says, don't touch this thing that you just set down. Now what are they going to do? They want to go see what you told them not to touch and they're going to touch it. And it's the same way with sin. But that doesn't make it bad. But it points out our unholiness and how much more we need God because of our sin. And that leads us to a dilemma that Paul has. And then we see, we pick that up. And as we, we start studying in chapter 7, verse 14, it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave to sin. So he, now he's comparing and contrasting the law. He says that the law is spiritual. When he says spiritual, he's referring to godly things, the Holy Spirit. It is a godly thing when it's spiritual. Sometimes in our world, the world spiritual and spirituality get a bummer up because it's talking about things that's not from God. It's not about human devices. When you say spirituality, that could mean anything. Yoga is spirituality. When you empty your... In, in, Eastern meditation where you empty your mind. That's spirituality. And so, and it can reply to any religion. But in Paul's case, in his context that he is speaking here in Romans, he is a Christian writing to Christians. He is talking about the things of God when he says spiritual. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave to sin. So he's using the slave injury. You were sold to sin. Verse 15. For I do not, under, do not understand what I am doing. Because I do not practice what I want to do. But I do what I hate. Now if I do what I do not want to do. I agree with the law that it is good. So now I am no longer the one doing it. But it is, in, but it is sin living in me. For I know that there is nothing good lives in me. That is, in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with... It's easy for me to say. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do what I... 
For I, verse 19 again, for I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it. It is the sin that lives in me. All right, I'm going to stop right there, verse 20. All right, this is a tongue twister to read. It's a t and it's, it's, it's a doozy to try to follow. Paul is going back and forth, and he does this a lot. He did this in chapter last part of chapter 5, which we didn't study, where he talks about Adam, the sin of Adam, and the righteousness of Jesus. He does the same type of thing. But while we need to read this whole thing to see where he's going, some, you also need to slow it down at the same time to pick it apart to see what he's talking about. So when Paul's talking in the book of Romans and in his letters, when he says spiritual, he's talking about the things of God. When he says flesh, when he uses the word flesh or a, a similar words to it, he is talking about our sinful flesh, our sinful body, how we don't do the right things our unsaved souls, so to speak. This body that is that is just prone to is slave to sin, that is condemned to death because of that sin. So let's back up a little bit. For I do not understand what I am doing. So Paul is in a quandary here. He wants to do the right thing. But his body doesn't let him do the right thing. He does what he doesn't want to do. And he does not do what he wants to do. The back four. He wants to do the right thing, but his body does the wrong thing. He doesn't want to do the bad thing, but his body makes him do it anyways. So he's in a quandary. And that's his quandary. He's going back and forth about complaining about this. And it's like, is he talking about himself before he was a Christian? No. He is talking about himself now. And another way to look at it is, too, he's talking about somebody who is trying to live the Christian life who um, is trying to live the Christian life without depending on God. You're trying to follow the rules of God without depending on God. Trying to live the Ten Commandments without depending on God. Our bodies, our, our, these sinful bodies, these sinful minds won't let you do that. So, but he's talking to us as a Christian, as a person who is saved, who is a person who is trying to live as Christ. And the frustration it is to live for Christ when you keep not living for Christ. Because you're doing things, you're saying things, your minds are going to places that aren't godly. How do you live? So that's, that's the, think of it, that big picture. You're trying to do the right thing and it's not working. It's like me trying to sew. I understand the concept of sewing. But when I try to take my hand and try to thread a, 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 take, take the, the thread and put it through the eye of the needle, my hands shake too much. I can't do that. I know what I'm supposed to do, but my body won't let me do that. It, it goes for anything with fine tuning. You know, if I try to paint a picture and paint something, I know what you know, a good art looks like, generally speaking. But my mind and my hands don't let me do those things. I can't do straight. I can't do pretty crooked. I mean, I just do crooked. And it's bad crooked. I, I know what it's supposed to look like, and I just can't get it done. And so my mind wants to do the right thing, but my body doesn't let me do it. 
And it's the same with sin. You know what's righteous. You know what they're supposed to do. But you keep doing the wrong thing. You keep having the wrong attitude. You keep having a bad attitude. Your mind keeps going places it shouldn't go. You keep worrying when you know you're not supposed to worry. And it's a frustrating thing. And that's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about the frustration in this. So in verse, go down to verse 18. For I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my flesh. There's nothing good living in this body. Nothing. People aren't inherently good. According to scripture, Paul, what Paul just told us in chapter 3 of Romans, is that there, there's no one righteous, not one. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We can't live a holy life. You are not inherently good. You are inherently sinful. Therefore, inherently evil. And so, there's nothing good here in my flesh. There is nothing good lives in me that is my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. You know, I desire to throw the football like Patrick Mahomes. But there is no ability in this body of mine to do it. I can't throw it as hard or as far as he can. I can't throw it as accurately as he can. And I really can't do a no-look pass. All right? That ain't happening. Um, I can throw it. It ain't going where it's supposed to, though. And so I, I don't have that ability in my body. It's just not there. And it's the same with righteous. I do not use like, well, you're a pastor. You have all kinds of big. God doesn't strike me and, and, and give me, you know, some extra dose of righteousness just because I became a pastor. I am on the same path that you all are on. All of us are on the same path. He's just given me a different role and a different responsibility. But he hasn't given me any, any extra abilities to do it. I must depend on the Holy, same Holy Spirit that you must depend on, that the Apostle Paul depended on, that the disciples depended on, that Jesus sent to us. It's the same Holy Spirit. We're all in the same boat. You are in the same boat as the disciples. You are in the same boat as the Apostle Paul, and so am I. We have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same Scripture. We have the same God. So this is Paul. He is saying he doesn't have the ability to do what is right. Verse 20. Now if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it, but it is the sin that lives in me. So he's saying it's not his, he's not passing the buck. But he's saying the source of the problem, and the source of the problem is sin. And we all have it. We are born with it because of Adam and Eve. We are born with the sin nature in us. It's just like any other nature. Some of us are have a nature of being an introvert. And this time of social distancing is like, yes, I don't have to talk to people. People don't want to talk to me. I can go out and nobody's going to talk. Stay, everybody will stay away from me. This is great. Well, the nature that some other people have an extrovert, they're, they're, they're dying. They want to talk to more people. They want to be around. They need some more hugs. They need some more handshakes. They need to be close to people, and they can't, and it's driving them batty. That, that's you know, a nature that we have. That's a personality trait that you have, but that's not the sin nature. We all have a sin nature. We're introvert, extrovert, 
go-getter, passive person. It doesn't matter. We all have a sin nature. And that sin nature is bad. And we can't get away with it. We may have different sins. There are sins that may, even if it's the same sin, it may come out, come out different ways. But it's still a sin nature. And we all have it. And so as much as we want to get rid of the sin nature, it, we can never completely get rid of it. Our goal is to be a little less sinful. That's all you can do. Your goal is to be a little less sinful every day. That seems like a ludicrous, ludicrous goal and a useless goal. It's like, you know, we need it all. You know, we're all or nothing. Go big or stay home. I'm an introvert. I'll stay home. I'm okay with that. No, it's... You got it, it, You can't get rid of it all at once. It's a little bit at a time. It's depending on God for every little bit. It's learning to take that next step and not worry about the end of the race. Just worry about the next step that you have to take right now in the race, wherever you are. But it's the sin nature that's in us. So when you get frustrated, it's the sin nature that's in you. And we need to keep turning to God. So he said, he discovered, it's the sin that lives in the sin. It's singular. So it's the sin nature. It's the whole thing, not any specific sin. It's just the whole nature. We are sinful people. We live in a sinful world. And therefore, bad stuff happens in a sinful world. Sometimes it's a virus that goes around. Sometimes it's a bad weather, a natural disaster. Sometimes it's the sin nature of other people that affect us. So verse 21, so I discovered this law. Is like a new law? He found a new law? Well, let's listen. He discovered this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law. But I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. So he discovered this new. So he discovered this new law. He discovered this new relationship. That when he wants to do good, evil is present within me. So evil is always fighting. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law. So he he knows. He delights. He likes God's law. He reads it. He's trying to follow God's law. He desires God's law. And so that's the good thing. He desires it. But I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner. So in his mind, he wants to do the right thing. He desires God's law. But his physical body, his hands, his feet, his mouth, his tongue, his eyes, what he listens to, they're all fighting against what he's trying to do in his mind. And that's the frustration. There's a constant battle going on of wanting to do what's right and ending up not doing it much of the time. But it's all about finding ways to do what is right and fighting this war. And so there are many, in a war, there are many battles. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. The goal is that as time goes, you start winning more battles than you're losing. So if your sin nature is anger and you blow up every single day and you start ranting and raving and cussing and screaming and insulting people 
And you say, I'm going to conquer this sin nature of this anger that I have inside of me. So you start doing self-reflection of what the source of the anger is. You go see somebody like me or another counselor to start working through those issues. And you start taking a journal and you write down this and you find out that on the average you, you, you get angry and blow up every once a day. For whatever reason, why it's once a day, I don't know. But you do it once a day, every single day. It doesn't matter if you're at work. It doesn't matter if you're at home. It doesn't matter if you're at church. You blow up at somebody every day, somewhere along the line. But you start working on it, and you start journaling, and you notice, hey, last week, I didn't blow up anybody that one day. I went a whole day on that Monday, and I didn't blow up at anybody. Did anybody notice? Probably not. You wouldn't have noticed if you hadn't been writing it down. And so you won a battle for that one day. Now, you lost on the other six days. But you won that one day. And that's the beginning. You took another step. And so if you can do it for one day, you figured out how to do it for two days in a week. And then after a couple weeks, you figured out, hey, I went three days this week without blowing up at anybody. And that's the nature of how we, sanctification, it's slow. It's agonizingly slow at times. And then you conquer that anger thing. And 10 years down the road, God points out something to you. And he's like, you know, you have this other sin that you've always had. But now start, now that you've conquered this anger thing, it's time to start conquering this other sin in your life. And he's like, I thought I was getting someplace. You are. But there's so much sin in your life. You, you, you never get there. Until the day you go to heaven. And so it's frustrating. But it's a marathon. And you have to look at it not in, oh, look how far away the finish line is. You look at it, what's the next step I need to take? It's like running a marathon in a dense fog where you can't see where you're going. All you can see is your next step. You can't see on down the road. And you just have to take the next step and that's all you can see. All that you can see is that one step at a time. And so that's the nature Paul is battling. How do you defeat that? How do you get there? Well, we'll, we'll keep, keep reading. Verse 22 again. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law. That's step one. Delight in God's law. All right. You got to delight in God's law. Step one. But I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging a war against the law of my mind, taking me prisoner. To the law of sin in the parts of my body. And so that's step one. You re recognize this battle that's going on and you hate that you lose. You hate the sin that's in your life. That's step one in this battle. Is that you love God's law and you recognize the sin in your life and you hate it. You don't try to justify it. You don't try to say, well, it's okay. That's just part of my personality. No. You hate it. You want to get rid of it. You want to do something about it. That is a step. In sanctification, recognizing the sin and hating it. So that is a step in the right direction, because that's the first step you got to take. You can't change something if you don't have a desire to change it. So you got to love God's law, and then you got to recognize the sin that's in your life, and you got to hate it. And how, what does Paul think about himself at this point in time? Verse twenty-four: What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? I mean, if we just stop there, that's a depressing end to this book. What a wretched man I am. It's not a false statement. It's a true statement. 
Who will rescue me from this body of death? Cry of desperation. Who will rescue me? And those of you who have, who have given your life to Christ, who have by faith accepted the promises of Jesus and decided to love God's law by faith and get rid of the sin in your life, you understand, you know what the answer is. But some of you, you have never done that. You've never by faith. You're crying out right now, who will rescue me? Who will rescue me? And there's only one answer that's true. You can try all kinds of things. You can try Buddha and Confucius and Hare Krishna. You can try Muhammad, but they're not going to rescue you. They might pacify you for a time, but they're not going to rescue you. They won't satisfy you. They won't get you to where you want to go. Only in Jesus Christ will you be rescued. But he answers the question. So verse 24, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from the bo this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. So he knows the answer. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's who's going to rescue him. So that with my mind, with his mind, with his soul, with the spirit that is within him, he knows that he is serving the law of God. And that, just, that is a step. You've got to be serving the law with your mind, with your intellect, with your heart, with your soul, with your inner being. So when he's saying mind here, he's talking about everything inward inside of you. So your mind, your spirit, your soul. He's talking about all of that together. That's what is his desire. That's you got to desire. But you know that my flesh, my flesh, this earthly body, it's it's following the law of sin. The law of sin. And so that's the battle. But how do you win this battle? Well, you don't stop here at what's called the end of chapter seven and, 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 and just stop because it says chapter eight in the next verse. Remember, Paul didn't put these chapter numbers in here. He didn't stop and pause. This is a continuation. So let me read it together as a continuation. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I am myself am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. It all flows together. That's why you got to keep reading and don't stop just because there's a big number eight there. It all goes together. And you don't start at number eight, verse one, just because there's a big eight there. You got to read what was in front of it. It all goes together because... Paul didn't put that big number eight there. How do you conquer this? How do you conquer this flesh of sin? Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Paul talked before about justification. The opposite of justification is condemnation. If you don't, by faith, follow Jesus Christ, you are condemned. 
you are condemned to death and an eternity in hell. That's what the scripture teaches. That's not my thoughts. That's not something I made up. That is something that has been taught in these scriptures and people have preached and taught for the past 2,000 years. But if by faith in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. You are not responsible for that sin. He says, I mean, we can keep sinning. No, he already covered that back in chapters 5 and 6. Should we keep on sinning? Absolutely not. That's not the right way you do this. But now you have a way of victory. Because even though you keep sinning, you don't want to. Even though you keep sinning, there is no condemnation in that sin. You can rejoice in this. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So God's eternal law trumps, little t, trumps Christ Jesus and the law of sin and death. So even though sin in our earthly body seems to win at times, it doesn't win the, it doesn't win the war. It may win some battles, but it won't win the war. Jesus has already won the war. Even though we still have to fight the battles every day that we're here. Jesus won the war. We know who wins. It's like during this time, there's no live sports on TV. So they have a lot of classic games. So that you know, even though if it's a classic game, he's like, your team is down. You know, you don't have to worry because you know your team comes back and wins. You already know the ending. And so you know the ending. You know that God wins in the end. You know as a child of God, you win, Satan loses. You already know the end. So you can have faith in that. You're, you have faith that, you're, that the earthly body is temporary. Eventually, God's spirit wins, and you win. Yeah. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life, there's the word spirit again, he's talking about godly things, the spirit of life, the Holy Spirit of life, in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. You don't have to worry about winning this war because God already did it. You don't have to worry about earning your salvation because God already did it. God did it. It goes back to what we read at the beginning. Chapter 6, verse 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God did it. There is no condemnation. Why? Because God did it through Jesus Christ. God did it. What the law, what verse chapter 8, verse 3, what the law could not do since it was weakened by flesh. So God's law, the Old Testament law, it was a good thing. It's God's law. But because we can't keep it, it's weakened. We keep failing at it. It was weakened by the flesh. What the, when the laws could not do, it was weakened by flesh. God did. So what the law, law could not save you. It could point out your sin. It pointed out your need for salvation. But it could not save you in itself. God did it, though. Through Jesus Christ, through this weekend that we call Easter weekend, 
We celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's when God did it. That's when God won the war. We're just still living it out in our own lives. But God has already won. By faith, you can accept that. By faith, you know that this sinful body and all the sins that you have in it are temporary. By faith, you know that God will win and that you can conquer the sin in your life. It may not be quick. It may not be easy. But you can conquer the sin in your life. Let me start at verse 3 again. When the law could not do what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh God did he condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled would, would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit why did Jesus die on the cross In order that the law's requirement, verse 4, that the law's requirement would be fulfilled. Jesus said that he came not to throw out the law, but to fulfill the law. Jesus came in earth, in, in the flesh, but it was in the likeness of sinful flesh. So he looked like, his body looked like ours. You cut him, he bleeds. He had to eat. He had to sleep. He had to do all the other bodily functions. He had to do all those things. He was born as an infant. He grew. He had poopy diapers. He did all those things as an earthly person. But because he was God, he did not have the sin nature that we have. Because Joseph wasn't his father. God was his father. So he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. So he wasn't really sinful. So don't go... Some people say, well... Jesus was just a regular person and the Holy Spirit came on to him for a time and then the Holy Spirit left him before he died. No. He was God. Holy Spirit was with him from his conception until his death and through his resurrection. Nothing changed about his nature. He was in the likeness of sinful flesh. And he died even though he was an earthly being. He died as a sin offering. The same method in the same way that they had animal sacrifices as a sin offering. If you want to know all about that, read the book of Leviticus. It tells you all about sin offerings. In order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled. The law's requirement, where is that? That's in Leviticus. It's in Exodus and Leviticus. To be fulfilled. For those of us who do not walk according to... Let me read that again. In order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us... Who do not walk, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So when you become saved, when you accept Christ, you are no longer walking in the flesh, you are walking in the spirit. And when, the, when Paul talks about when he talks about walking, it's your whole life, your lifestyle, everything that you do. Where do you walk? How do you walk? Do you walk by the godly places? Do you walk by the, the evil places? So as a Christian, as a follower of God, you are now walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. It doesn't mean you don't, you're without sin, but your desire is not to sin. Your desire is to follow God. And that's, that's the challenge. But you can win that challenge. Why? Because there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because of what 
God did. Not what you did. You didn't earn it. It was a gift. God did it. So yes, I'm repeating myself here. Why? Because this is an important point. Because we get, some people, we get down on ourselves so hard, so often, that we forget that we've already won the battle. We get so myopic. I got these glasses on. If I took them off, I'd, and I'm, I can see myself in the computer here, and I, I would be a blurry mess. And I wouldn't be able to read the words that are right here in front of me without putting the book right in my face. But we get so myopic, we don't see what's going on around us. And we forget about God, and we forget to turn to God. We forget what Jesus did for us. We forget that the Holy Spirit is with us always. And so we have a battle here. And so Romans chapter 8 in the past couple of years has been my go-to chapter. And it's been a go-to chapter where I've talked to people who struggle with fear and with anxiety and with depression. And I tell them to read chapter 8. Which verse? All of them. I tell them to read chapter 8. Read it all. Read it out loud. And so I challenge you to do that this week. Next week we're going to study more of chapter 8. But we're going to stop right there today. At verse 4. God did it. We struggle with this sin nature. It's hard. It seems like a losing battle at times. But with God and what God did, you win. Because of Jesus, because of God, because of the Holy Spirit, not because of you, because of them. So we need to turn to them. We need to trust in the Holy Spirit will guide us in our decisions. We need to trust God's law and desire it by reading his scripture, by listening to the teachers, whether it's me or our better teachers. You desire it. You desire, you remember what Jesus did. That you have no condemnation because of what Jesus did. And we celebrate that, especially this Easter weekend. But technically we celebrated every Sunday. What Jesus did. And you can celebrate that each and every day. And you got to remember that God has already won the war. We're just here fighting our daily battles, doing one day at a time. One step at a time. And that's all you can do. And so I pray that this will encourage you. I pray this will challenge you to seek God more. That will challenge you to get into God's word more. To see how God's spirit and how God's law can apply to your life each and every day. On every subject in your life. Every attitude that you have. Every emotion that you have. How it applies to you. Every relationship that you have. No matter how close or how far away, how, how, how temporary it is. But God still influences every relationship. Even if it's only a, a two-minute relationship with the, with the clerk at the grocery store. And that's the entire length of your... But they're having a bad day, they're taking it out on you. But because of God, it affects how you relate to that person for those two minutes. Or it reflects your lifelong spouse. Or your child, who's always your child, no matter how old you you and them are. Or your parents, whomever it is, whether it's a godly, they're both you're both Christians, or maybe one of you is not a Christian. They're not a Christian. They're not following God. They're not seeking God's law out. It doesn't matter. You are. 
And everything that you do depends on that. And so I pray that, this, like I said, that this is challenging, that this is helpful. And I pray that this Easter Sunday, where our traditions are, are, are turned upside down, thrown out, that you understand it's not the traditions that we follow. It's a God, eternal God in heaven that we follow. Let's close in prayer. We thank you, God, for these words. We thank you for this scripture that you gave us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that the words I've added will be helpful. I pray that your Holy Spirit will work on people's hearts and minds, that they will grow closer to you, that they will depend more on you, that they will understand that their faith in you does not go away void. Because you are the mighty God. You are a way to eternal salvation. And that we must depend on you for everything. For emotional strength, our mental strength, our physical strength. Because you're the only way to salvation. You're the only way to eternal life. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Once again, I'm Pastor Nelson, Associate Pastor at Tower View Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri. Follow us on our website at towerviewkc.com. Check out our other videos that are there on, on, on the Be Live tab that's there or the Go Live tab. Um, check out our resources, our other daily devotional videos on our uh, Facebook page, Tower View Baptist Church. You know, how is God working in your life? How is God using this? You can put that in the comments of this in Facebook. Um, you can send us a message. You can call us. You can text us at our phone number, 816-368-1330. Go to our website. You can find out how other ways you can contact us. And I pray that God's uh, Holy Spirit will not leave you. and That he will remind you to turn to him every day on the good days and the bad days. So thank you. Go with God and God bless.